Garden State. My name is Gary, and this is the Restoring Main Street Podcast. Thank you, as always, for joining me. It's November 24th, and tomorrow is Thanksgiving. All across this great nation, families will be getting together, sitting down, and I pray, remembering what to be thankful for and sharing that, like I said, with friends and family, because uh, this is an important holiday, regardless of what you may hear or the, uh, to the negative about why we celebrate this and uh, why it's an important, important day in American history and for America each year. So I just wanted to take a few minutes tonight uh, to actually share some information with you about that first uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, give you, you may know some of this. I have no idea. Um, hopefully, I'm going to provide a little bit of detail that uh, perhaps you don't know about. But I want to reinforce actually what what that first Thanksgiving um, what was like, the actual Pilgrims Crossing, what that was like a little bit, and uh, like I said, give you a little bit of background and. Like I said, part of it is just a reminder of, of our history. The other part of it is just to, uh, in a way to, to push back against some of the negative uh, that I hear when we hear um, Thanksgiving and the Pilgrims uh, discussed, especially now. So without taking any longer, let's, um, let's start the program. So what I'm going to be sharing tonight, I, I've, I got my information from this book here, uh, The American Story, The Beginnings. And this is, as you can see, by David and Tim Barton. David and Tim Barton, um, they run an organization called Wall, wallbuilders.com. Wall Builders Live is their web, uh, their podcast. Uh, you can check them out. They are basically a couple of American treasures that you may or may not know about. Um, they have spent most of their lives gathering original documents and uh, preserving them from American history, studying our history and saving um, all of this, putting it into written form so that um, so we can recall it, so we can know um, accurately uh, the things about our history, both the good and the bad. They don't hide any of that, but um, I consider them, like I said, uh, a beyond reliable, reliable source. And, and they also work very hard, like I said, at, at collecting uh, pieces and artifacts from our history as well. So um, they are curators as well as historians. And the reason I have such confidence in this book is um, any good history book has reference pages. Um, and you look at page 313, 379 in the back of this book, and that's 66 pages worth of very small print to fit all of it in. But they have referenced, um, like I said, tons and tons of writings and documents um, to compile this book. And it, and it goes from, every, you know, from our beginnings in the Pilgrims 
um, all the way through a good part of our American history. So if you, um, if you want a good book that covers American history, uh, I suggest this one, like I said, The American Story, The Beginnings. So like I said, I, I wanted to just discuss, you know, being the day before Thanksgiving, um, about the Pilgrims and share with you a little bit of uh, that history. Uh, the Pilgrims, um, Puritans, basically, uh, they, they left England. They left England in search of the ability um, to have religious freedom. And it, they didn't go to America first. If anybody you know, knows the, the story behind the Pilgrims, they went to Holland first uh, and spent some time there. Um, they were not quite as free as they hoped to be uh, in Holland and also didn't want to um, have any of their members start um, acclimating themselves to the culture in Holland. They had uh, specific designs to follow um, or uh, live a more biblically based life. Um, as a matter of fact, they, um, I'm going to reference this um, book quite a bit. They actually, uh, when they when they left, they took with them uh, the Geneva Bible. And uh, as it's written here, the Geneva Bible was written in uh, Geneva, Switzerland in 1560. And part of the reason the pilgrims, you know, took this Bible with them to Holland and again onto the New World was uh, these, this Bible was uh, written by uh, reformists basically people that were um, of the same mindset of the pilgrims that had issues with the Church of England. And uh, they basically liked this Bible because in the columns, in the margins there, um, there was actual notations there. And um, like I said, written by reformists. So they basically pushed back on the corrupt European, European culture uh, of the day, and especially criticizing in particular um, how they violated God's word, uh, whether it was in government, judiciary, education, law, culture, or uh, organized religion, uh, or any other uh, sphere of their of life. So uh, the pilgrims are basically pushing back against the Church of England and um, wanted to separate. So like I said, they spent time in Holland, but um, their desire was to find uh, a much freer place in order to uh, practice their religion. So they um, secured a contract for a couple of ships to make passage to the New World, um, made an agreement with the owners of that ship and with the um, English government at the time, the monarchy, um, to secure passage over there, to um, farm the land, to you know, uh, trap and different things of that nature so that they could uh, turn around and send goods back to England and the owners of this these vessels uh, as payment for getting them uh, to the New World and the ability to actually create um, an, a, a, a colony in in America. So, the two ships that they secured, uh, one we know very well is the Mayflower. The second was the Speedwell, and. They embarked with 102 souls on July 22nd of 1620 from Holland, from Delft, Holland. And uh, a short ways into their journey, unfortunately, the Speedwell developed um, a leak. Uh, 
not something that they could actually repair, so they had to turn back and they actually pulled into port in England and uh, had repairs done on the Speedwell. Uh, once repairs were done, they got back into the, both the vessels and started out again. And um, short ways into this second attempt, the Speedwell developed a leak once again. So they had to again turn around and return for repairs. Now at the time, uh, Governor William Bradford, uh, with a few others uh, amongst his company, uh, surmised that uh, the reason the Speedwell was having so much problems because uh, it was being sabotaged by the actual crew. Members of the crew did not want to go to the New World. They did not want to make this perilous journey. So in their third attempt, when they finally did leave, when it was just the Mayflower that left uh, England to head to America, uh, they had transferred a few souls from uh, the Speedwell to the Mayflower, um, the rest of which that were traveling on the Speedwell um, were pledged to try and make the journey at a later date. So with 102 souls, they left England and headed for um, America. But at this time, it was September in 1620. September in 1620, and it took 66 days uh, to cross from England uh, to the New World. And it was a beyond perilous journey. The seas were incredibly rough. Um, their mast, their main sail uh, sustained damage. Uh, fortunately, uh, in a form of what you would call divine providence, like they had, they had stowed on board a, a, a printing press, which saying that you say, okay, so you know, what good is a printing press with a busted ship? Well, the printing press had a very uh, strong worm gear that was part of the printing press. So they uh, were able to uh, fix their mainsail enough, well enough to sail, and the printing press and that worm gear screw was enough to lift the main beam that carried the ship. And uh, they basically repaired the, the Mayflower well enough so that they could at least continue and finish their journey. Now, seas were so bad that they, they were blown off course. Their first intentions or where they were headed was more uh, trying to settle a part of Virginia just above Jamestown. But like I said, because of their seas and uh, how far they were blown off course, they ended up off the shores of what is now Massachusetts. And they didn't originally land uh, directly in Plymouth. What they landed was basically on the tip of Cape Cod, what is now Provincetown. And uh, they put off in longboats onto the shore. They were basically running low on provisions, so they were trying to at least find, um, you know, fresh water and get, try to attempt to gather a few things to help sustain themselves at least for a period of time. Well, they ended up getting um, chased off from that location from uh, the natives uh, there uh, at, near Nauset. Um, so, you know, the pilgrims got back onto the Mayflower and um, proceeded back up the coast north and um, found themselves, like I said, on the outside of what is now known as, as Plymouth, uh, not setting foot actually on the shores of Plymouth uh, immediately. Actually, they, they first stepped uh, foot on a small island that is located just outside of Plymouth Harbor beyond Browns Bank and, and that area called Clark's Island. Um, 
again, looking for the same thing, looking for provisions, looking for, um, you know, potable water, um, and not really finding, you know, what they needed there. They finally, uh, in their longboats, made it to uh, the shores of, like I said, what is now, you know, Plymouth, Massachusetts. So after that harrowing journey, um, now it's it's November and it's it's beyond cold. Um, as you can imagine, this is this is a wilderness. Um, fearful of the natives, feel fearful of you know what is to come. Um, the other part of this that made it so very difficult this very first winter was that um, uh, a large majority of the actual um, pilgrims and other individuals that made this journey, they were sick. They were sick and, and weak to the point where they really couldn't do anything. There was, there was only a handful, six or seven individuals uh, amongst this group of 102 souls that um, could actually function well enough to uh, try and help the rest of um, their compatriots through this first winter. So they did the um, majority of the uh, gathering of firewood, starting fires, cooking, preparing meals, washing of clothes. Um, the pilgrims actually spent uh, their winter uh, on the Mayflower, uh, really, and not really on the shores of Massachusetts, just so they could, like I said, survive this first winter. And um, as you can imagine, it took its toll. They lost half of the individuals that made the journey that first winter. And they, uh, in secret, at night, um, went on to the shore and buried uh, those individuals on what is now known as Coles Hill, which is on the waterfront across from Plymouth Rock. It's now part of the National Park. So you can go there and, and see that um, particular uh, landmark. But uh, So they buried their dead in secret, uh, mainly to conceal their numbers from the local natives, uh, not knowing whether they were going to be um, well received as well as they were when they you know, set, uh, set foot on, on Cape Cod. Um, so there was you know, obvious concern there. All the stories that they heard basically of the natives in America was that they were savage, they were dangerous. So they worked to conceal their numbers and they made it through uh, the first winter half of them did anyway. And when the Mayflower, when it, when it was, when that spring rolled around and the Mayflower was basically contracted to get them over to the New World, um, the crew and the ship um, needed to return back to England. When it, when it made that return that, that following spring after that harsh winter and even with all their losses, um, with their faith in hand and the belief of what they were trying to accomplish and achieve there and the grace of God, every single one of the souls that, uh, that crossed that Atlantic that were not the crew members, but the actual Puritans, stayed. They stayed to establish the colony that they had set out originally to make. Uh, and like I said, it, they, they had found a plot, they had found a spot there in Plymouth that they were actually going to um, build on. And fortune was with them. 
Fortune was with them while they were attempting to uh, clear land um, and uh, you know, attempt to start to make buildings and, and actually secure something that would give them a little bit of uh, protection uh, for the following winter. Um, they managed to have a solitary wandering Indian, as it's described in this book, uh, come upon the colony uh, by the name of Samoset. And Samoset spoke uh, amazingly broken English, uh, something he had picked up uh, over the years from other explorers that had actually stepped onto the shore. Uh, so the pilgrims were not the first there. Um, and uh, also some, from what I'm, what I'm reading here, some uh, fishermen that had been in the local area and had stepped onto shore, obviously. So Samoset had had conversations with these individuals over the years and had picked up enough broken English that he could actually speak with the pilgrims, with um, Pastor John Robertson and uh, Governor uh, John Carver, William Bradford, and their military leader, uh, Miles Standish. So as Samoset got to know them and understand the programs, excuse me, it's dry in here, <coughs> Goodness, excuse me. As I told you, I do this out of my beautiful uh, back porch as my set, but uh, in these colder months, I am running a wood stove, so it gets uh, gets dry up here. So please forgive me. But um, getting back to the story, getting to know uh, Samoset and then feeling comfortable with him, he with them. Um, he decided that he was going to introduce um, the pilgrims to the local Wampanoag chief, uh, Chief Massasoit. Being that they were going to be neighbors, um, if you'll allow me, if I'll find the right page here from this book, I wanted to just share something with you quickly. I'm not going to be able to find it. But basically what I wanted to share was a little bit something about the, um, the Pawtuxet the tribe had actually um, been the tribe that inhabited the land that the pilgrims actually um, decided that they were going to build on. And the, the tribe itself uh, was a warring tribe. They were no longer uh, there at the time because there had been a uh, very bad, bad um, disease or illness that had actually inflicted um, or afflicted the tribe and basically wiped all of them out. And that's part of the reason why the land, uh, when the pilgrims showed up, was vacant uh, because the local tribes believed it to be um, cursed, cursed land, so they wouldn't. They wouldn't inhabit it. They wouldn't build on it. They would. They had nothing to do with it. So it was. It was basically vacant land. So um, that was divine providence as well. Basically, the, the pilgrims were not, um, in, you know, stepping foot on land and, and infringing on um, tribal areas, you know, that were being used. So that was a benefit. Like I said, you. These are Europeans. The New World. The, the natives 
that was their home. So this was this was providence for them as far as them being able to actually build. But getting back to Massasoit and actually uh, meeting him and some of his the Wampanoag tribe members, one of the individuals that was part of that initial group that met the pilgrims was uh, Squanto. And he was one of the only uh, tribe members from uh, the Patuxet tribe that actually survived. And because um, Squanto had had even more contact with um, English explorers, and um, there's a whole part of it that goes into this book that goes into a lot more detail that um, uh, you know I won't drag out with you, but basically uh, Squanto spoke perfect English. So upon uh, meeting the pilgrims and spending time with them, he basically adopted them as um, part of his extended family, for a better term, uh, you know, for a lack of a better term, and he decided to devote himself to the pilgrims and actually um, help them understand how to survive in the new world, um, how to plant, uh, how to how to fish in the area, um, you know, what things to plant, and. Part of the reason that the pilgrims were able to actually survive and make it um, um, a thriving community there and make it through that next winter successfully, even if it, uh, they didn't have um, tons and tons of stores uh, put away by the time the second winter came, but they had enough to get them through. And Squanto uh, was a big reason that that actually occurred. So uh, once once Squanto um, had got um, familiar with the pilgrims, like I said, helped them um, build and set up their their colony, um, there was an actual feast to be had, and unfortunately, that's part of the the pushback that I uh, ended up reading in, a, in an article that I saw posted today was that um, somehow they were casting um, aspersions or suggestions that um, that first Thanksgiving gathering was not, not not what it was portrayed to be when you learned it in school, that somehow um, the pilgrims were in a rowdy, raucous mood and sh firing off their weapons and, and the, the local um, tribe, the, the uh, Wampanoags and Massasoit thought that um, somehow they were being attacked and they showed up there for these, um, what was going on as a feast of Thanksgiving at the time, making it through the summer, putting away stores, having, having a true chance at making it through uh, this next winter. Uh, like I said, the pilgrims were, were looking to celebrate and the suggestion is from um, from this other source that somehow it was um, the tribe went running to where the pilgrims were celebrating um, and they were not somehow invited they were they were uh, reacting to gunshots that they heard that somehow this was um, they thought it was going to be an attack on the tribe not not the case not the case and from the same reference that I uh, read in this derogatory article or this suggestion the four myths about the, um, the pilgrims and, and the actual uh, beginnings of Plymouth. Um, 
as it's as it's it's funny that the, they actually uh, quote the exact same uh, source here in uh, David and, and Tim's book uh, as far as the documentation where they where they got this reference. And uh, if you allow me, I'm gonna I'm gonna read from this. So uh, with Squanto's help, the Pilgrim's Harvest uh, was sufficient food for their upcoming second winter. They had. No surplus, but the thing, but things definitely looked much better than they had for the preceding year when half the colonists had died. Uh, Governor William Bradford therefore appointed the day of Thanksgiving. For that he had, uh, for they had much for which to be thankful for, and um, they now had a place where they could uh, freely worship God. They had survived their first year in the wilderness of New England, and with Squanto's help they had reaped a good harvest. So grateful for these blessings, the pilgrims invited the Wampanoag neighbors to celebrate and give thanks to God with them. Chief Massasoit and some 90 of his men came and feasted with uh, the remaining pilgrims. The pilgrims and Indian uh, neighbors dined on deer, turkey, fish, lobster, eels, vegetables, cornbread, it says herbs, berries, pies, and they uh, also engaged in athletic competitions, including uh, running, wrestling, and shooting. And um, Chief Massasoit enjoyed himself so much that he and his men stayed three days. So let me get to just a little bit of um, this other article that I read. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time with it because, honestly, um, it's just basically trying to, to smear the pilgrims, the reasons that they um, were there in the New World, and attempt to further put a blemish on um, American history and, and change, change history. So it's not true. Um, if I can just, I'll just bring up the, this article that I'm talking about, the one that is um, trying to cast some doubt on um, the Pilgrims and Plymouth and its beginnings. Um, uh, let me read these, these myths quickly so I can get through them. Um, myth one was the Plymouth, uh, the Pilgrims were the first Europeans to land in southern New England and to interact with the Native Americans. No, they weren't. And so what? Oh, I, I, I don't understand the significance of pointing that out, but anyway. Um, the second myth that they're putting out is uh, the Plymouth um, Pilgrims came to the New World seeking religious freedom, uh, and they're suggesting that that wasn't the reason that they come to the New World. Their suggestion was that, um, yeah, they had um, some religious background. There was you know, Puritans among them, but um, that only half of the individuals that uh, journeyed to the New World were actually Puritans. Okay. Mm, perhaps that was the case. They lost half of the people that made that journey, the 102 souls. They lost half that first winter. So how many were, um, were still Puritans? You know, how many Puritans were actually left out of the ones that survived? Not sure. But if you go and read anything that um, Governor William Bradford or Miles Standish 
any of these in individuals uh, that were in Plymouth that documented, excuse me, that documented what happened in Plymouth. The individuals that decided to stay there did live there, or a majority of them did live their lives in a, in a Christian, religious, Puritan fashion or way. That was the reason, that was their main reason for leaving. Um, like I said, they had to go into, go into an agreement, you know, a contract, in order to get passage to the new, new world, to actually get there. They were not rich people. So yeah, um, that played a part of it. They had to send um, goods back in order to pay for that passage and the development of the colony. But the main reason that they were there was for religious freedom, and they conducted themselves that way. Um, the pilgrims intended to, to settle in Pawtuxet, Plymouth, or the um, alternate, an alternate suggestion was that Plymouth meant to settle in Virginia but were blown off course. Well, that's, that's accurate. That's accurate, so, so I'm not quite sure why pointing that particular myth out was important either. Um, yeah, they were, they were heading for Virginia, but they ended up in Massachusetts, and because of the condition of their ship and the dire um, situation they were in, how late they were getting to the shores of the New World, yeah, they, they decided to stay there, and as Providence would have it, like I said, meeting Squanto and um, uh, Massasoit and, and, and making friends with Samoset, all of these things actually, you know, benefited them. So, um, divine providence? Um, I'm going with divine providence. And then the other myth that this other article was trying to suggest was that the, um, like I said, what I alluded to about the first Thanksgiving, that somehow um, uh, Edward uh, Winslow and his writings, uh, Mort's Relations, A Journey of Pilgrims in, in Plymouth, um, is suggesting that somehow that, um, like I said, it was the reason 90 Braves and um, uh, Massasoit showed up at the, the alleged, in their opinion, feast for Thanksgiving was not that they were invited, it's that they heard gunfire and thought they were being attacked. Well, as a reference in this book, I went back and checked that, and David and Tim actually referenced the same gentleman, this Edward Winslow, and two or three other documents um, for the same uh, description of what happened and um, that actual first feast of Thanksgiving. And it, um, it conflicts with what um, this particular article, this list of four myths about the pilgrims and um, Plymouth uh, suggests. These braves were invited. They enjoyed themselves so much that Massasoit stayed three days. And, you know, I guess I choose to believe 
I choose to believe this when I'm looking at the four myths of that other article that was posted that I, that I read today. Um, the only actual reference reference material that was given was just this particular Edward Winslow. Um, that's all I saw in that particular article. There were no other reference material suggested, just basic accusations. And I guess the reason that um, it, it bothered me, this, this particular um, podcast, this you know, discussion about um, the pilgrims and the first Thanksgiving, this was just a way for me to share a little bit of information and things that I know. And again, like I said, again, reference, um, reference this book, which, like I said, this covers a lot of American history. Um, and I wanted to share that with you because I know those of you that are interested and find this interesting would want to own that. That um, is a beyond accurate and complete um, telling of our beginnings. You should get a copy. And I guess, like I've stated in other podcasts, I don't have a problem looking at the ugly side of America, too. Talking about those things, talking about the mistakes that we've made. But Plymouth and the Pilgrims, that was not one of them. Every single treaty, contract, that the Pilgrims made with the Wampanoag they honored. They never broke a one of the treaties. Not a one. There's references in this book that talks about that the pilgrims actually paid the tribe as the colony grew and they took up more land. They paid for it. There was the discussion on price. It was agreed upon and they paid for the land that they secured as they started to grow. And you can, like I said, you can find all of this in this book. I highly encourage you to, to go on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, wherever you prefer, if you're not a big fan of um, sending Jeff Bezos more money, I don't blame you there, you know. Um, look up the American story and um, uh, get yourself a copy. But all the lies, all the, all the lies being told about our history in order to um, bash America, it's beyond evil. If individuals wanted to look at the darker side of some of the mistakes, and we made mistakes, every country does, um, and share those with the public as a way to say, hey, let's not do this again. Let's do better. Well, in every respect, if you're honest about America and its beginnings and where we are today, we have continually gotten better. We have continually made positive change. We have continually worked on the principles that we set forth in our Constitution uh, to try to um, become a more perfect union. Like I've said in the past as well, it's not the dotting of the I's and crossing the T's of that document uh, that you 
did you flip a switch and all of a sudden, miraculously, um, America was perfect. But we have always strived to be better. Our goals uh, were always to be better. The, the people that made up this country, um, those among us that you know, believe life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and the blindness of justice, have made those attempts since day one for change, to make things better. We fought a civil war to get out of slavery. You do understand that slavery was all over the entire world, that America was not the only one that had slaves. Slave culture was something that was worldwide. But we stopped it. We had a civil war to stop it. And then moving forward from that war, we worked against those individuals that were still within our country, was still within our communities, that still did not want to give black citizens the same rights that the rest of us had. We work to make those things better. And we are not the nation that we were back then, at the time of the Civil War. Even at the time of the 50s and the 60s, we are not that same nation. We are actually a better nation. And the pilgrims were that foothold. They started out with the best of intentions. Their ideas um, were to live a Christian life, a reformist life, something more biblical, something more honest. And everything that you can read about how that community conducted itself was an example of that. And I, like I said, I know this to be true. I know it from... Um, what this book has portrayed you know, to me as far as uh, specific information. But like I said, I've, I've also spent time in Plymouth. Um, I have family from there, so I am familiar with the area. I've spent time over the last 30 years there, so um, I'm aware of Plymouth. I'm aware of that whole area its history. I just wanted to share that with you. The truth of what Plymouth Thanksgiving truly being thankful and we have a reason still, all of us, to be thankful because America is worth fighting for. Those principles are worth fighting for. For one, will continue to do so. All right. So we've covered the history end of things. One more thing that I wanted to do, uh, as you noticed, the last couple of podcasts, I started um, started up the podcast with um, a commercial for my uh, book of poetry, the uh, the North Country Chronicle. And in this book, I have um, sectioned out. Uh, different categories, like I said, this um, nature, um, the holidays, that type of thing. Um, there's also a section called Our Country. And um, 
had put together a piece of poetry back in uh, 2014 uh, that I want to share with you now. It's called Pilgrim Shadow. When pumpkins dot the landscape, a frost that coats the ground, corn stalks dried from days gone by, my restless spirit settles down. Family and friends in crowded rooms, our busy kitchen implies a time of honest reflection. The year's hopes and dreams arise. Casting shadows of black-brimmed hats with feathers and native dress, I hear the sound of distant drums, an open fire of smoky breath. Long tables made of wood not unlike my own, filled with the laughter and simple smiles, bids all who wander come home. As it was at the first Thanksgiving, shall it be to the end of days. If those pure images we hold strong and fast in our hearts and God we praise. So I guess that's it. Um, I know I went uh, gone long this particular time, but um, had a lot of ground to cover. And um, before I leave you, I just want to remind you about a few things. Um, locally here in, in the city of Rochester, uh, I wanted to remind you that, um, uh, and my, my good friend um, Cheryl Huckins on Facebook and her manna meals for um, the homeless uh, sharing this and I wanted to remind uh, any of you that, uh, that might uh, know somebody in need. The Fallen Leaf Bistro on Main Street here in town starting at I believe it's 11 o'clock tomorrow morning for as long as the uh, food lasts will be offering a free dinner and if you'll go on to Facebook and look up Cheryl Huckins um, I think you can uh, just basically touch base with her and see if there's any more room there. If, uh, if there are homeless that you know of in need, perhaps in Rochester, that, um, that you'd spread the word. Also at the True Memorial Church uh, is offering a full turkey dinner for delivery or pickup. Uh, if you call the number 332-3131 uh, to reserve your dinner. Um, just wanted to share uh, those couple things with you. And not to forget I wanted to remind you of my friends. Like I said uh, in my, the background you'll notice I have a couple of um, metal logos back there or signs. Uh, and both of those were provided by my friends at Metalheads, uh, metalheadsrock.com. Uh, they, like I said, do um, art for your walls, those type of things, but they also, one of their, I mean, it's Metalheads. Um, you're talking about rock concert uh, memorabilia and t-shirts and those type of things. So 
uh, and they do burn pits. They make metal burn pits as well. So if any of that sounds of interest to you, I encourage you to go to metalheadsrock.com and uh, check out the website. Uh, I'm sure you'll be amazed and very pleased, especially if you're a headbanger. Check it out. It's, uh, it's worth your time. Um, so, as always, in passing, when we get to this point in the program, I'd like to remind you that you can find the Restoring Main Street podcast on Gab TV. You can find us on Rumble. You can find us on YouTube. Um, I post links together. Uh, MeWe, um, BitChute is the other place that I will uh, post the actual podcast to as well, as well as you can find us on uh, Google Play. You can find us on Spotify. Um, Anchor FM, uh, a lot of those, like I said, if you're just into listening to the podcast as opposed to watching it, uh, you've got some choices there. And I do have social media presence, like I said, on Twitter, uh, Restoring Main Street Podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, on Getter. So you can find me there as well. So I would ask that you would please smash the like button, hit the notification button, write comments. Um, reach out. I'd like to hear from you uh, as far as how you feel about the podcast, any uh, suggestions, um, anything that you would like to share with me um, in way of comment. I, I am uh, very much interested in, in hearing from all of you. And in leaving, as I always do, uh, I share this with you, uh, God, freedom, and family. And especially uh, the day before Thanksgiving. Um, if we do not watch out for God and our freedom, our families are surely doomed. So, until the next podcast, I want to thank you for taking the time, and um, God bless. <laughs>